from the MZ Studios Dallas Virtual Studios in Cyberspace. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your co-host, Ryan Trimble. Happy, healthy, recording from home here in our virtual studios, thanks to the magic of the internet. Joined once again today by a gentleman who may be busy getting out his Halloween decorations. He, of course, Sean Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day. I do have to say, yes, there has been a fall decorations plan instituted, and so I probably need to to get with the program, but I'm not yet. Uh, But I am enjoying the cooler temperatures. Yes, it's amazing. Um, I'm just waiting for it to dip below 50 to knock off some of these mosquitoes. But I will say, Sean, Mrs. Trimble has gone big, big, big and early on the Halloween decorations. It's exciting times. It is exciting. Fall decorations have generally not been on my radar, but, you know, new times, new things, fall decorations. We got Thanksgiving. I'm not sure still what the Halloween plan is going to be and how we are going to both execute and participate in that said Halloween plan. Uh, But again, and I guess I probably should consult with you and the Trimble household because I I feel like y'all will will have a good handle on what we should do. Uh, Yes. And I will, uh, I will raise any questions up the chain. So yes, yes, I will, I will send my question to you, but know that it is not to you. I am am asking you to get get more information from someone else. I'm just the messenger. Do not shoot. Um, Sean, this of course, October one, uh, exciting times we, uh, for, for uh, some of our, one of our clients uh, that, of course, Walmart, they're doing the annual open call event. Uh, I was excited to work with uh, Dallas Morning News uh, retail reporter Maria Halkius on a story. So this event is kind of like Shark Tank. Uh, this is the seventh annual event. They've gone virtual this year, of course, but uh, exciting for nine local entrepreneurs this year here in Dallas and the DFW area. Uh, they're getting their chance to pitch their products to Walmart buyers. Uh, if you check out Maria's story, and I, I retweeted it yesterday, and big thanks to her for uh, for the fun coverage. Um, we've got everything from a you've heard of energy drinks. This is a a uh, relaxation drink. This is the screw. That was my whole question for you was whether or not you have tried DJ screw, the DJ screw relaxation drink, and then whether or not your favorite color was screw blue cream, riding red cream, or purple rain, maybe even hella yellow. I wasn't sure which one that you had gone with. Yeah, no, I haven't, but I'm, I'm trying to get uh, the next time I order groceries, I will definitely put in a special request for a, a chopped and screwed soda. So uh, <laughs> good luck to Monster Beverages. Uh, they're, they're doing their thing out in Irving. And it's a really fun story. I, like I said, I tweeted it yesterday. So good luck to those companies. They are right now pitching to Walmart buyers as we speak. So good luck to all of our local companies. It's a cool thing that Walmart does to, you know, help, uh, you know, help, help young aspiring uh, entrepreneurs. You know, thinking of the the DJ Screws Southern Soda, uh, I was. Have you ever had wrap snacks? 
wrap snacks? No, I've not. Yeah. I think I will have to pair them with a DJ Screw Soda. You know what? That that would go. They would go very well together. Wrap snacks you can find in some of your local convenience stores, and they have they're they're like model after wrappers. And they have different flavors based on the different wrappers. And, I, you know, I got some wrap snacks for my birthday. Uh-huh. And uh, it was the Cardi B version. I'm not, I can't remember which one, but, like, they have Migos. Um, they have Cardi B. They have, who else do they have as I get some music going? They got the Cardi B Honey Drip. They got the Notorious <laughs> B.I.G. Jalapeno. I mean, oh. you might want to. I want to game on rap snacks. Yeah, I, I, I need to. Now, I'm going to try uh, Screw Southern Soda, but I don't know that I'm the target audience because uh, between homeschooling uh, a four and a one-year-old and, uh, you know, ma- making sure I'm serving our clients and, you know, doing this outstanding, uh, dare award-winning I say, future, future award-winning podcast with you, sir. I do not have any trouble um, relaxing or sleeping. I hit the pillow and I am out at night. Well, I was just about to say, I mean, we all could probably use some relaxation drinks. So I don't know, maybe just to augment maybe anything you, else that wow. you got going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited. Uh, happy birthday to our, our local the local uh, publication here, just a little little company called the Dallas Morning News. Today is their 135th birthday. Yeah, we are excited to have one of their premier columnists, uh, one of their longtime journalists, and a good friend of mine, Sharon Grigsby, on this podcast. Sharon has a wealth of knowledge. She knows this city extremely well. She spent a lot of time as the deputy editorial page editor uh, of the Dallas Morning News, and she's been the Metro columnist for the last few years, and she's doing an amazing job. And I'm I'm really thankful that she is going to come on and talk to us today. Yeah, it's 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 great. I've always uh, been a fan of Sharon's, and, and uh, excited that that we could could uh, get this lined up. Well. Without further ado, we are going to take it to a break. Uh, try to Google in the meantime how to get some of this screw Southern soda. And we'll be right back with Sharon Grigsby right after this. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. I am super excited today because I am uh, glad to welcome Ryan, one of my favorite people and a longtime friend of mine. Today we will be speaking with Dallas Morning News Metro columnist Sharon Grigsby. Sharon, welcome to Deconstructing Dallas. I'm glad to be with you guys, and I'm glad to be identified as your friend, Sean. I mean, it's been, what, 12, 13 years now that we go back that you gave me my first opportunity to write in the morning news? That's correct. That would have been about in 2007 when we had 
pretty recently launched the Bridging Dallas's North-South Gap project, and you were writing, and I discovered your work online, and I always think the first place we had our I met was at Brooklyn at the Jazz Joint on Lamar. Yeah. Yes, when they had moved to Lamar, the corner yeah. of yeah, Lamar, whatever street that is. Yeah, and um, and it's been a great professional friendship all these years. I've learned an awful lot from you. Well, I've learned a lot, and I, I want our guests, to, our, our, our listeners to learn a lot. So I want you to just kind of tell us about you and, and kind of how you got into journalism and, and your time at the Morning News. So I'm older than dirt. And the good part of that is that I have gotten to do a lot of great jobs at the Morning News. I came here virtually right out of college um, after a brief stop working in Detroit. And I didn't intend to stay in Dallas very long, but um, that was in 1980. I joined the newspaper and every time I got ready to go do something else, we were in a time of great growth and they would offer me another opportunity. And so I'm one of those people who have spent many decades in the very same job. And that's pretty rare these days, I know. But I kind of did my career backward. I started as an editor. I ran a lot of departments. Eventually, I ran the Metro department um, back when the paper was um, much larger. And then I went, I moved to editorial, which is when I met you. And I decided I was done with editing. I wanted to write. And so I've been writing for about eight years now. And that's been by far the best part of my career and got to move from editorial when Jack Floyd retired, moved from editorial to the Metro job and just get to pretty much, you know, if it happens in North Texas, I cover it. Yeah, Sharon. So that transition, I wanted to ask you about that. What was that like, uh, you know, moving from editorial to, uh, you know, being re-released out into the wild? What was that like? Well, I had the great privilege of working for Kevin Willey, as, who was the editorial page editor and VP at the paper, um, and whose loss I still feel at the morning news. Uh, she ran a very informal editorial department. I would say that we were out and about and really on the ground reporting, especially on the Southern Dallas project for so many years, that I didn't feel like the content changed that much. Now, of course, when I was an editorial writer, I had to write in the voice of the editorial department. Um, I will say now that when we did not um, recommend President Obama in his um, either time, um, that was a big personal um, bad moment for me, we'll just say. So there were times that I felt strongly that the stand we took was not the one I personally would like to take. I knew very well that I was there to represent the newspaper's point of view. But we also got to blog back when blog was a fashionable and newfangled term. 
But before uh, blogging was cool, before I helped make blogging cool. Exactly. <laughs> before you got a whole book on blogging. And so that um and so really if you go back and look at some of my blogs, that's sort of the style and the interests that I carried over with me to Metro. Um, and yeah, I do have a lot of freedom on Metro, but um, I try to keep it very much about what's going on in the city and who lives here and what they're interested in. I, I try not to pontificate. Well, this, of course, today on the day we're recording the 135th birthday of the Dallas Morning News. And uh, you can imagine there have been a lot of changes in journalism uh, up until this point and in the media in general. Uh, even even before this current pandemic, um, so so I'm curious to know what your workflow is like. You know, Sharon, something that I don't know if Sean even knows this. I was at one point the managing editor of SMU's Daily Campus, and, uh, and so a long time fan of yours, Sharon, and, and a follower. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I know what a, a newsroom was like in the in the early to mid odd. But yeah, right. what's the workflow like now for y'all, and especially now in the, I guess, still COVID era, coming out of the COVID era? What's it like uh, in the newsroom? Well, you know, we back the, the week that I always referred to is, you know, the wheels coming off in North Texas. Uh, that second week of March when the NBA shut down and then it seemed like within 48 hours, everything else shut down. That Friday, and I want to say that may even have been Friday the 13th, we all, we decided to do an experiment. Everybody was going to work from home just to see what it was like. And shockingly, we've never been back. Um, that that little dress rehearsal to see if we could run a remote newspaper has morphed into, I don't even want to think about how many Zoom meetings since then. <laughs> uh, but the paper is, I mean, the newsroom is virtually in um, the homes of people all across North Texas. Now for me, it doesn't feel that different as far as workflow because I did already work from home a couple of days a week. And frankly, mm -hmm. I haven't let the pandemic shut me in. I take precautions, but I still do a lot of my interviews in person. I'm out and about a whole lot. But I think this, this is, gives us a lot of flexibility for people who like have children at home or who, you know, might be in one of those high-risk categories. But, you know, it's been a challenge. I mean, there are a lot of us who are raring to get back to the newsroom, but but we are also trying to be really mindful of those colleagues who don't feel that way. And I, I feel like we we may well be in this situation till the end of the year. I mean, we, we, have, we have something called Slack. I don't even know how many companies use it. I think a lot of them do. But we can, you know, it's, it's a way of, in effect, texting on our laptops. So we're all in touch with one another all the time. But I will also tell you, I do think that a remote newsroom hurts. Um, it, it's not the best thing for the news content. We are with Sharon Grigsby, must-read columnist from the Dallas Morning News. And, Sharon, I, I have one more question before we go to break. I, I know 
over the last couple of years, you've written a number of stories regarding mental illness. And I wanted to, to kind of see how you got into writing stories on that particular subject matter and, and even what you learned uh, through those efforts. That's a subject that's very close to my heart. I originally began work on it um, when Mayor Rawlings um, put a big emphasis on mental wellness in the city. And I don't know, Sean, that might even have been newer in his office. It was earlier in his tenure. Mm -hmm. What what happened was those editorials I wrote – sort of morphed into my work on Southern Dallas. And I came to realize how, just how lacking the mental health um, resources are in Southern Dallas. And yet how many of the mental health calls that come into 911 or other avenues come from Southern Dallas. So I wrote um, about that landscape when I moved into Metro, I became increasingly aware of the newest plague, if that's a decent word, about of mental illness here in North Texas, and that's the teen suicides. And death by suicide of our young people is something that's just growing unabated. And so in this last year, even during the pandemic, I've tried to keep um, tabs on that and write those personal stories. I mean, as you all know, the best way for to get people to be interested or to care is to tell a story through a personal lens. So that's what I've tried to do. I'd say as far as what I've learned One is that there are some good people, particularly with the county, with the Meadows Institute, um, with UT Southwestern and elsewhere, who are working hard to get a facility up and running in Southern Dallas. And I continue to write about that. I also have just been so impressed by the bravery of parents who have lost a child to suicide, um, that their courage in talking about what happened and trying to open other people's eyes. Because I think that the biggest issue, as you guys know, it is with people in denial, whether they're in denial about depression or bipolar in a loved one or in denial about a death by suicide. But it, it's something that's super important to me. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges as a columnist is that I could write all of my columns just on that one topic. Instead, I tend to sort of ping pong around among the things that interest me the most. This is Deconstructing Dallas. We are with Dallas Morning News Metro columnist Sharon Grisby. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Dallas and what's going on in the city. So uh, this is Sean Williams with Brian Trimble. We'll be right back right after this.
Deconstructing Dallas. Me, Sean Williams. Me, Ryan Trimble. We're joined by the Metro columnist for the Dallas Morning News. She, of course, Sharon Grigsby. And Sharon, we were talking before the break. You know, you have uh, spread your wings. You're covering more than Dallas these days. But uh, you know, a lot of your stories still involve uh, the city, uh, what, what goes on around the city of Dallas. Um, I wanted to ask a few forward-looking questions, but first, where, where do you think we are in the city of Dallas? What's your take on, uh, you know, how, how are things in the city of Dallas? Your finger on the pulse, maybe. You know, it's been a quite a year with COVID, you know, some, some, some good, obviously some bad, but maybe we've highlighted some of the bad. Maybe we can focus on it. What's your take on the city of Dallas right now? I think the big question for our city between now and next year's municipal elections is going to be the relationship of the various city council members and the mayor. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know that those um, relationships have been really strained. The budget process um, was particular. So I at times wondered if we were going to be able to pass a budget this year. And I'm interested in how the mayor and the council rebound from that and whether we can have um, a constructive way forward. So I, that, that's a big question mark for me. Um, elsewhere at City Hall, I see a lot of things working very well. Now, I know it's sometimes difficult to tell because of the pandemic, but I've been impressed with how animal services and the park board, the whole park department continue to do such a really good job. Uh, I do see points where things almost slip through because it's hard to keep the community involved. I wrote about that recently with this plan to put, potentially put a bridge across Bachman Lake, which I think I referred to as a solution without a problem that came out of the aviation department. And, you know, it's, it's journalists' jobs to, you know, to keep tabs on that stuff and call people out. But, you know, I'm... Um, I'm always optimistic. We, we, we laugh, Sean and I, at times that, you know, I can be a bit of a Pollyanna. I do want to see the glass half full. And I'm proud of this city for how we've come through the pandemic. And while there's so much work to be done in regard to the racial and social justice reforms, I recognize people Many people were not happy that the final budget reflected some of the reforms people wanted. I do think this is a city that is engaged in those issues. I mean, maybe that is partly, and Sean can speak to this in some ways better than me, because I've been here so long, I contrast, you know, how things look from how we were talking about issues or more specifically ignoring issues back in the 80s and 90s. So I, you know, I am hopeful, um, but I do think a key to fixing or continuing to fix things in this city is a, is a council and a mayor that work effectively together. 
Uh, staying with the, the Dallas theme, Sharon, you know, you've written a couple of columns that focus on uh, DPD. Obviously, public safety is something I follow and some we actually you and I talk quite a bit about. And you had a, a one column about Chief Hall uh, prior to her announcement of her resignation and some things you thought about how she was handling the police department. But now that she's announced her resignation, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Jolie Robinson, is no longer in her position. What do you think lies ahead for DPD, for the department? What do you think the department will be looking for for a new chief? And those of us who live in the city, what should we all be looking for? You know, Sean, I would love to be able to give a better answer to that than I probably will. Um, I'm enormously disappointed that Chief Hall's tenure did not go better than it did. I had such high expectations for her, I or high hopes, and I, I like her enormously. Uh, there is definitely a culture problem in DPD. Uh, I don't know how exactly that is fixed, except it has to start with trust. And if I th- thought of anything that Chief Hall was lacking, it was her ability to trust the people around her. And I would hope that the next chief is somebody who can come in and accept other points of view and that help, because I think that will get us where we need to go more quickly. I've I've had really the privilege to talk to a lot of officers, especially officers of color within DPD. And I do think there's change. I don't, you know, I, I think that improvements are being made but at the end of the day, I put my trust in T.C. Bromnax. I think he's made some really good hires. They haven't all been good. But um, I'm excited to think about who he might bring into the job. And, and I'm kind of curious, Sean, you know, you, you, you're closer to it than me. Does that make sense to you or do you see it differently? I, I really like your answer that you gave. Uh, you know, I, I was biased from the beginning and I can be biased because I worked so closely with the command staff that was in place before. And so, you know, I, I, I know that there, there are two things that kind of don't always jive. Number one, I always was said that one thing that was difficult for the department is unlike what you were seeing in the private sector, the top of the department and the leadership was, you know, everybody was in their 50s and 60s. And there, yep. there wasn't enough people, as you're, you're seeing big companies who have CEOs who are 35 years old now. Uh, you're seeing people run NFL teams who are 33 and 34 years old, and that didn't match up with what we were seeing in the department. We had such a huge ex- exodus uh, in the leadership that it almost flipped overnight. And so I think there has to be some sort of happy medium between, you know, not losing too much of our institutional knowledge within the department and having some young supervisors have an opportunity. I guess that, I don't know if I said anything with that answer, but that's kind of where I, no, I think that, I think that's a good answer. And I think that, that it is part of what we can do better on next time around. I mean, I still 
mourn the departure of some people in that department for the very reasons you said. And I would do just want to go back to one thing you mentioned, Sean, about Jolly Robinson. Um, I'm sure not everybody was happy that I wrote a column that said it's not really cheap hauls that I'm going to miss as much as Jolie Robinson. And that's just because some a lot of people aren't aware of what Jolie Robinson does. Um, I think a lot of the community relations success that Chief Hall had and that they had under Chief Brown after your departure from the department, Sean, was you know, goes right to Jolie's success. And when, you know, back to when Ryan asked me how, you know, what I see ahead for Dallas, um, the last time I checked with Jolie, she still hadn't decided or made public what she's going to do. But it's like with young leaders like her in place in this city, we, you know, we will get better. And I think that, you know, wherever she lands, that that's an area of the city that's going to improve. But I do mourn her leaving the the police department because I think they the police department needs Jolie Robinsons who can talk to people in all neighborhoods and make them feel heard or let them be feel heard. Sharon, I think this is the first time on our show, and we haven't had a lot of journalists, but it just goes to show what a good journalist you are. Um, you turned the inter interviewer into an interviewee, and, and <laughs> Sean answered some questions for once. So that was great. Um, and, and we know you're always working. I know right before uh, right before we started this recording, you dropped another article about Cafe Momentum. So I uh, wanted to you know see what you're tracking next, what's on the horizon, and, and feel free to uh, – you know, practice how you pitch to your editor on us. Well, um, I am working on several things. Um, one of them, I, I have to say, and this is going to sound way more coy than I want to, but I'm actually working on a competitive piece right now that I can't go into any details about, but that I've got to go back to making phone calls on as soon as I get off the phone. I'm supposed to be heading to a four day weekend, but this, a breaking news story may prevent that. But other things that are on my, on the, you know, immediate horizon is the Mount Auburn neighborhood, which is adjacent to Woodrow Wilson that I just wrote about earlier this week. I want to get back in there because the, when I was visiting with the neighbors last weekend, they raised some good issues um, that I think are worthy of more attention. There are some developments on the regional water situation. This is that ongoing lawsuit with the um, North Texas Municipal Water District. I always have to really think hard about that acronym, but I'm, I'm working on I'm working on a piece there. Um, and let me think. There's probably, oh, and there are a couple of parts things that I'm working on. Oh, I will tell you, I will say one other thing. And, of course, this is going to give my, you know, anybody who happens to listen to this gives them a story idea. But this this is, gives me pause. A friend of mine who recently um, was asked to serve on a, one of the, countless boards and commissions that, that come out of City Hall 
discovered that there are an awful lot of openings on those boards and commissions. And Sean might have a better idea than me how many of those there actually are. It's countless. But that troubles me that we've got so many openings on those boards and commissions. It's not necessarily the ones that you think of immediately, like plan commission, but things like, you know, a farmer's market you know, TIF commission, TIF planning board. And I worry, you know, that we don't have enough people interested in taking those jobs and engaging because, you know, civic involvement and wanting to be a part of, you know, that kind of volunteer work has always been a hallmark of Dallas. And, it, you know, I'm sure it, part of it is the pandemic, but I am troubled if, in fact, I you know, dig into that and find it's as egregious as it sounds like it is. Well, Sharon, I don't think you have to worry about the story idea because Ryan's mom and my mom are generally the only two people who download this podcast. So <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that. And, you know, I would I would definitely be up if, if that's something you do. I think there are a lot of people who would like to serve on these boards and commissions. So I, I'm anxious on seeing how to help on that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Thank you. I would, um, I think we need to, I think that's word we definitely need to get out. And of course, Sean, you need to be writing more anyway. So <laughs> the, the, the best I can do on that is just to say, we'll see about that. Um, <laughs> okay. Sharon, we follow you on Twitter, Ryan and I, but you know, we do want to make sure people know how to follow you, where to find you. What's the, beta, what's the best way to connect with you or for our listeners? Okay, so my Twitter handle is Sharon F. Grigsby. Um, that F is for Faye, because by the time I discovered Twitter, some other Sharon Grigsby had my handle. Um, and my email at the morning news is sgrigsby at dallasnews.com. But probably the easiest thing is if you just Google me you'll and grab one of my articles, all that information is on it. And of course, I'll, I'll spare you having to, to do the promotional plug. Just subscribe to the morning news, everyone. Come on, get your subscription. Read Sharon's work. Read the work of her colleagues and uh, support local journalism. Sharon, thank you for yeah. coming on. Uh, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, I always love visiting Sharon. She is a neat lady. Really appreciate her. She is a true professional, and um, you know I've learned a lot from her, and so valued our friendship. So I'm, I'm thankful she spent some time with us, and I'm thankful that she just you know went right in on our answers and and didn't you know didn't hold back. Yeah, so thank you again, Sharon, and uh, check out her column on Cafe Momentum today. It's, it's really good stuff. Um, Sean, big bummer. Your Dallas Stars uh, to, made it to game six, couldn't quite bring home the Stanley Cup, Lord Stanley's Cup. 
they, they had a great run. I I mean, I barely know very many hockey players anyway, but those that I did know either got hurt or just didn't show up for the series and just couldn't get it done. So, you know, credit to the coach, credit to the team who, you know, there were some guys who weren't even on the team at the beginning of the season or scored more goals in the playoffs than they had in the regular season. So, you know, an amazing run by the Stars. It'd be great if they can build on it and get back next year and win it. Bring yeah, it home the cup. Yeah, it's fun to watch. It's fun to, you know, have have something to cheer for. And uh, so go Stars. Onward. I mean, 20, 20 years since the – in the 20 years since the Stars won their last championship, our city with four sports major sports teams has won one championship. Yeah, that is not a good and, person, and has not been that much either. I mean, they the Stars no. lost one, the Mavs have lost one, the Rangers have lost two, and Stars have won one. I mean, it, and Mavs have won one. I mean, yeah, this is come on, guys, got to get going. Maybe we should be. Uh, maybe we, I was, you know, if we could have gotten LeBron. Maybe we could have won. Like the Lakers look like they're about to win, Sean. Well, LeBron is going to win. I, I I believe LeBron is going to win. Now, you know, something will happen and somebody will listen and say, hey, I thought you said LeBron was going to win. <laughs> I don't know exactly who that was that I was imitating with that voice, but that's what it sounds like when somebody's going to criticize me about my LeBron love. Generic but, uh, here joining us today on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am I'm, I'm excited. I always root for LeBron. It's tough to root for LeBron with the Lakers gear on because I've never been a big Lakers fan. Uh, but I, I hope he wins, and I, I think that he will. So it's exciting. And then, you know, to continue on with the big sports weekend and, uh, you know, SMU, you know, it's going to continue rolling, right? The, the ponies will ride. Yeah, you, right? you're 3-0 and Mustangs, Sean. Uh, they are home. This is a big, big game. Home to the defending American Athletic Conference champion Memphis Tigers. So, this is their chance to uh, to prove themselves, and you know I can't imagine if they uh, if they beat Memphis, which you know, I think they got some got some uh, got some players in place to do the job. Uh, now would be the time. Um, yeah, I can't imagine they don't jump their way into the top twenty five. So uh, I, I did want to note that SMU has the nation's leading rusher in a young man named Ulysses Bentley the fourth. If you've never heard of it, there is no greater SMU name than Ulysses Bentley the fourth ever to ever exist. So uh, excited to watch those guys, uh, Shane Bouchelle toss it around the yard and, and hopefully uh, UB4 will, uh, uh, will get after it this weekend. I know your Aggies have a tall task as well, Sean. Yeah, 2.30, I will be watching. I'm sure what I'll do is I'll turn on the A&M and Alabama game. I'll take a nap and hopefully wake up in the second half and, and they will not be down by an insurmountable amount. And can enjoy a good second half. That's all I want. You know, a nap and to watch a good second half. <laughs> I don't think it's asking for much. Yes, well um... – you know, we, we value our naps in the Trimble household here. I, not that I get them, but we do value the downtime that one uh, little critter gets. So uh, good luck with your napping, Sean, and to your Aggies. Thank you. Good luck to the ponies. And good luck to you, our listeners. We hope that you have a great week, a great October, a great fall. We are so thankful for everybody who has tuned in to take a listen to this episode. We want to thank 
our owners, Mary Woodley, Jennifer Pascal. This is an Allen Media production. We want to thank Samantha Matthews for her help on this. Michael Zavala and MZ Studios for the technical support that they have provided to this show. We ask that you follow us on Twitter. He is rtremble15 on Twitter. I am Sean P. Williams. That's H-A-W-N P. Williams on Twitter. Uh, you know, hit us up. Send us a message. Let us know what you think. We ask that you share this podcast with your family, with your friends. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Spotify. Find us wherever you get your podcast from. So, for Ryan Trimble, this is Sean Williams, Deconstructing Dallas. We'll be back very soon. Until then, adios. 